Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. We are... 80-plus weeks running here on our show throughout the course of the year, always bringing you the newsmakers in the sport of college basketball. And that's why I'm pleased to be joined this week by Michigan head coach Jawan Howard, an extensive interview with Howard that we're going to get to momentarily. Also, later in the podcast, I'll be joined by Oregon head coach Dana Altman. We're going to talk to Dana about the transfers, the changing roster, the early entry, the new recruiting, uh, the great run that Oregon had last year to the Sweet 16. This week is uh, the beginning of the College Basketball Academy, uh, academies at four different sites, UConn, Illinois, Houston, and Grand Canyon. It is the last week of the July evaluation period. Uh, we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, uh, but uh, we want to go a little bit more deeper into detail about it uh, once it finishes. And uh, so we will discuss that probably next week on the podcast, in addition to the Big East All-Star team, which is representing the United States uh, in at the Pan Am Games in Peru. They're practicing this week at Providence. They're coached by Providence head coach Ed Cooley, Seton Hall head coach Kevin Willard, and Brown head coach Mike Martin. So hope to bring you uh, an update on that team as well. My first guest here on the podcast is Michigan head coach Juwan Howard. And I want to get right to it. I want to go on any kind of soapbox moments today with this podcast because I want to get right to Juwan Howard. Um, his decision to leave the NBA, to come back to college basketball, what made him a great fit at Michigan as an alum, why he put together the staff that he did, what he thinks of the current roster, how they'll play, uh, and overall – uh, what it meant to be to him to be selected to replace John Beeline uh, at a time when the program is, a, you could argue, at an all-time high. And also uh, something pretty unique that we'll discuss with Juwan about you know, how much he values education, how important it was for him to get his degree on time. So we're going to talk all, I mean, all those issues with Juwan. And I think that if you're a fan of Michigan, fan of the NBA, college basketball. You want to hear from Juwan Howard because this is the kind of former player that you want back in college basketball. We've seen this recently. Patrick Ewing, what he's doing at Georgetown, I think has been phenomenal. You know, you can debate whether or not 
Um, you know, the Chris Mullen experience w- worked at St. John's. They got in the NCAA tournament, but there was a new administration. And, you know, that's not always a perfect match. I think Ewing's going to work long term, without a doubt. Um, I think Jerry Stackhouse going to Vanderbilt, while he didn't play there, uh, you know, clearly he has put in his time to get into this position. And, um, look, I got high hopes for Jawan Howard. Um, I really do. I think he's the right guy at the right time for the University of Michigan. So I want to get right to that interview, my extensive, long-form interview with Jawan Howard. And now joining me here at March Madness 365, new Michigan head coach Juwan Howard. He's back home uh, after uh, playing there in the 90s. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to cover those Final Fours just starting out in this business and had a great NBA career and now gets his first head coaching job at his alma mater. Let's go back a little bit first, Juwan, uh, to probably your surprise, like all of us uh, who cover the Big Ten on a regular basis, when John Beeline you know, made this move and this decision to go to the Cavs. Uh, when you first heard that, where, where were you? I was in Miami, and uh, I woke up early in the morning, and, and I did something I usually don't do. I grabbed my cell phone, for, <laughs> and when I opened up my text messages, I saw, you know, I may have had like 15 or 20 text messages, and you know, there were messages that said that Coach Beeline had – left and went to took the job with the Cleveland Cavaliers and I was like whoa <laughs> it surprised me and then I turned on the t- TV ESPN was the first channel that uh, I flipped on and uh, I noticed that the bottom ticker and it said the same thing it read coach Milan left with Cleveland Cavaliers so I started to get a little <laughs> you know uncomfortable and uh Put a smile started. My brain started working. I had a smile on my face, and then I, I saw Jalen on ESPN, and you know he had mentioned that you know the next person in the line should get the job should be me, and you know then I was like, wow, you know this is this is uh this is surreal. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was all such a whirlwind. You know there was no indication that he was going to do this, either retire or seek the NBA. I know he sort of. I think it was. I don't know if it was Detroit at one point, maybe a year ago, but, um, you know, on the surface, everything pointed to him at least riding out the rest of his contract. Um, Knowing that, knowing that initially that it wasn't anything immediate, at least we didn't think it was, uh, at any point did you allow your mind to wander as an assistant coach that, hey, maybe at some point if this job opens, I'd love to pursue it? Well, yeah, my mind did go there and, and then I was like well if it does open up uh whether coach Beeline retires or and I, and I never thought you know that he would you know leave this year for NBA team because you know there was no news being reported but I remember with the Detroit job he interviewed for that job and so did I and then this year when the availability of that spot opened and then my my brain started to think about it and I started to imagine myself as the next head coach in Michigan. So when I got the call that they they were interested, uh, and then they asked if I was interested and then we went from there. The interview was set up uh, maybe like four 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 or five days later when I met with uh, Ward Manuel and Doug and now I'm here. <laughs> I mean you obviously didn't have to 
you know, introduce yourself. But in that first interview, what did you tell Ward? And uh, and I don't know who else you met with, but especially Ward. Uh, what did you tell him as to why you believed you were ready at this point in your professional life and, you know, just overall in terms of your age that you were ready for this opportunity? Well, Ward is a very you know, bright man and and Ward did his homework on me and other candidates. So he knew uh, with all the work that I put in and um, working with the Miami Heat for six years, learning uh, the NBA style and learning how to become a coach, he knew I was pretty much was developing myself into becoming a head coach someday. So uh, I didn't have to do much selling. Um, he did all his homework, and I just remember one time telling him that my goal is to make sure that every student athlete that comes to the University of Michigan men's basketball program, I will help develop them into becoming a, a man, and, uh, and more importantly, a Michigan man. You know, one thing that um, that Steve Fisher told me that you know, among many that he admires about you was, if I'm not mistaken, you were the first player who left early, who still graduated on time. Um, and, and, you know, that following year with your class, uh, if, that, if that's all correct. Um, that's true. So with that being said, if you can think back to that young man, um, why did you make that a priority in your life to ensure that you weren't going to let this slide and drag on throughout the course of your NBA career? Well, you know, I've always been a man of integrity. Uh, I've also been a, one of those who, when you have a goal, uh, you put your mind to it, you know, don't procrastinate. You know, go after, go after it. Go get it. And I, I recall having a conversation with my grandmother. She said to me, you know, you're very fortunate and be one of the only ones in our family to get a free ride to a, a prestigious university like Michigan. And she said to me, do not ever waste that opportunity. Make sure that you take full advantage of uh, what that is given, uh, but pretty much earn that education and get your degree because that right there will always sticks with you and will show what type of character, what type of man you are. So while I was at school, uh, I never f forgot those words from my grandmother. Um, I, I did not want to let her down, nor the family name, and I wanted to make sure that I set a great example for my family uh, at some point, uh, as well as a lot of those other kids that are coming out of the inner city communities like myself to uh, inspire those. And um, by having that one year left after forgoing my junior year and Entering the NBA, for going my senior, excuse me, entering the NBA, I said, you know, I have I have something that's unfinished that I have to take care of. And so I sat down with the academic advisor, and we came up with a game plan uh, as far as how many hours I had left to finish up uh, at Michigan. I wanted to make sure I get it done at the University of Michigan. Uh, that school, the school itself, uh, its academics you know, speaks speaks for itself. So. Um, that was the only way and how I was going to do it was to do it now, do it my rookie year uh, in the NBA. Now, granted, there are a lot of rookies that have so many other distractions that's happening in that NBA world that they're trying to manage. 
Um, it was a lot for me uh, for just trying to learn the game of basketball on the NBA level and get to know my teammates and coaches and the style of play to try to make that transition to become a smooth one. But then now you add another element uh, by doing schoolwork in <laughs> my rookie year. But I had some downtime where I was able to utilize it. So time management was the key, uh, being able to utilize my time uh, from practice court to back home to doing schoolwork to at the time we had fax machines so faxing you know some of the schoolwork back or FedExing it uh, there was no computers at the time <laughs> so I couldn't just email it <laughs> which is the easier process but we well, got it done I stayed focused and I stayed locked in and I did not give up I tell you it's a great example for the players that you're going to coach now of time management of being committed and finishing something. You know, one thing that I know bothered Coach Beeline was that too many guys were leaving early. And and we'll see if some of the guys that left early, it ends up working out, whether it's a two-way deal or they get a guaranteed contract. You've lived it. You've breathed it for 19 years. When you were, gonna, when you were going to get, because it will happen, a player who decides that they're, they want to leave and they're not a lottery pick, they're not a first-round pick, they're marginal second round, what will you tell that player uh, in terms of your own life experiences in the NBA to give them the right guidance so that they make an informed decision? Well, I want to help them make the right decision moving forward. I'm, uh, I'm going to support the players. Uh, I understand that it, we all have our goals and dreams and um, just want to make sure that they have and their parents and as well as their, their agents have done their due diligence and making sure that all the all the boxes are checked and then if that player is a you know top 10 or you know I, I, I wouldn't say top 10 but they feel that's the time for them to go you know, I, I would you know help drive them to the airport if they need it <laughs> they need help but you know just try to uh a player feel that that the time is now and you know and they're ready and i will have to support their decision moving forward uh, but I will also stress to them that I will be buzzing their phones um, every month if I have to, uh, every week if I have to, to make sure they come back in the off season uh, to take some classes, make a train here at the facility. My doors will always be open. The facility will always be theirs. Uh, but I would like to see them back on campus uh, taking classes to finish up and get their degree. Um, that's going to be a big strong emphasis on my part. Couple of very quick things about this team and your staff. One, uh, you made a very interesting uh, move in hiring Phil Martelli, former head coach at St. Joe's, well respected in the business, high ethical character. The staff that you put together, what did you need to compliment you? Well, I, I had to hire some some smart guys, some guys that are smarter than me, <laughs> and I mean that. Uh, Martelli, uh, the guy who had tons of experience in a college basketball. Uh, I haven't coached on a collegiate level yet, so I want make make sure I had the guy who uh, was very experienced on the collegiate level. I wanted a former head coach. Uh, that's why I went out and got Phil. Uh, I was so happy that Phil uh, decided that he would come and be a part of the staff. And it's been great having him on board. I also wanted to make sure that I had a guy who had an experience. Um, that was the Detroit area. I've recruited in the Detroit area. So what happened, I got lucky by with a name like Saudi Washington, uh, a, a guy who's been here at the University of Michigan two years prior to I arrived. 
So uh, not only he's coached at Oakland University for 10 years, but he also coached at Michigan for two years, almost three. So that that was a great addition. Then uh, when I got Howard Isley, a guy who's, who played on the professional level in the NBA for 12 years and uh, coached on the NBA level for 10 years. Uh, so you know, I took my time and, um, and figuring out like which guys would be a great fit uh, because he has to be the right fit, and uh, you can't rush through that process. I did not want to, you know, second guess it or or look back and uh, regret those spots. So all the three spots that I feel and on that staff that's going to be on the bench with me, I trust, believe in them. Uh, they're all in kind of individuals, and they have also have a growth mindset. And last but not least, they're grinders with high character and high integrity men. All right, last two things. One, your first impression on really what you could argue is your big three because you've got Isaiah Livers, Xavier Simpson, and John Teske, who are three guys that are anchors that can help this team in your first year, you know, potentially get to the NCAA tournament. What was your first impression? Oh, they all are high character guys and they're hard workers. And they're like sponges, you know, when I'm talking to them and teaching, uh, they look me in the eye, uh, the eyes get big and you know, they're just chomping at the bit. They want more. And I love that. Uh, it just makes, you know, the drive into work uh, even more special when you have, you know, those three guys and others uh, who are just uh, excited about the new opportunity. And is there anyone that's uh, of the others, whether they're newcomers or other guys that I didn't mention that have that's caught your eye here early that could surprise the rest of us? Well, you know, there are so many names I can <laughs> throw at you. <laughs> you know, it, I don't want to single anyone out, but they all have been uh, great, man. All right, and last thing, Juwan, uh, when we get to February, March, and we say, okay, that's a Juwan Howard coach team, what is that going to look like? Well, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I, I know... Uh, what do you want it to look to like? September 24th. You know, I just want a team that can compete hard on both ends of the floor. And um, and that, you know, it's passionate and, and it's a well-connected group uh, team that's, you know, that has you know, formed and became a team. Awesome, Juan. We're so thrilled that you're back in college basketball. You know, too often guys are going the other way. You're coming back uh, to college hoops to help make it better. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And coming up next here on March Madness 365, my conversation with Oregon head coach Dane Altman. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Oregon head coach Dana Altman. And uh, Dana, uh, you guys have consistently been able to reshuffle, reload, retool, however we want to phrase it. It seems every year when you get hit by an early entry bug. And, and that happened again this year after a surprisingly a great run deep into the NCAA tournament to the Sweet 16 before losing to Virginia. So let, let's first update our listeners, Oregon fans, fans of the Pac-12, um, where this roster stands right now uh, after the early entry departures. Well, we, we did have some early uh, departures, Andy, uh, Bol Bol and Lou King and and Kenny Wooten all decided to, to enter the draft and uh, – so it did leave us a little shorthanded. Um, we did have a good early signing period last November. C.J. Walker, someone we feel is going to be a very good player. Chandler Lawson from Memphis. Uh, and then the junior college player of the year, Chris Duarte, uh, who we think has a chance to, to really help us at the guard position. He's a big guard, 6'6". And so those three guys we signed early. We also signed Isaac Johnson out of Utah, but... Uh, 
he is going on his two-year Mormon mission, and uh, that's something he's very committed to. So we're behind that all the way, and and he will spend the next two years uh, with that service. So uh, we did have those three players uh, joining the three players we have returning. Peyton Pritchard, who finished the, the year really strong. Francis Okoro, who came on strong late. And, and Will Richardson, who who really developed as a freshman and gave us a lot. So felt really good about the three guys coming back and the three guys that we signed in the fall. Since then, we've added uh, Anthony Mathis, uh, a grad transfer from New Mexico, who we feel really helped us with our three-point shooting. And with them moving the line back, will be a big part of our team. Uh, Luke Wurr, a, a young man from Omaha, Nebraska, 6'9", who we think has great potential for the future. And uh, then we have another grad transfer committed, but uh, can't comment on him because he uh, hasn't arrived here on campus yet. You know, building a roster here in July, uh, it seems like that can be sort of the new norm. How hard was that for you to accept that you sort of have to put this thing together you know, on the fly, and you may not fully know uh, until deep into the summer. Well, it is different, Andy. It's it's part of the changing landscape of college basketball, I think. Uh, you know, a lot of programs are going through a little bit of the same we are with transfers and guys going early. Uh, a lot more guys testing the waters, Andy, and, and staying in there a lot longer, deciding whether they want to go, you know, pursue – professional careers or come back to college so it, it has been a change for for our coaching staff and for a lot of coaching staffs across the country and I think you will see you know teams continue to have players in June and July and we don't start the school we're on the quarter system Andy till you know late uh, September so uh, we have a little bit more time than than even some other schools when you're looking for a grad transfer and uh, Mathis obviously you know, had a really solid uh, year for New Mexico. They had the big upset where he played great against Nevada uh, earlier in the season. Uh, what are you looking for that will fit what you need and how you play at Oregon? Well, Anthony was real easy. He's a young man from Oregon and knew our system and knew our team pretty well. But I, I think in any grad transfer situation, we've been really fortunate over the years, Andy, to, to add a lot of guys that uh, – have stepped in and filled a role. You know, we we recruit grad transfers where we got a big hole or feel like, you know, we have uh, not much experience at that position. And so we've, we've recruited grad transfers that fill a big gap in our, in our team. And fortunately for us, you know, they've provided a big boost. You know, the run you guys had last season, I mean, everyone kind of knew, you know, that Bobo was going to leave even when he got there, obviously, you know, it felt like you'd be a one and done. So that was not a shock. He was hurt. Um, but it's sort of, you know, you have a great run. You don't want to take anything away from that team. But how much do you think that great run to the Sweet 16, you know, sort of contributed to the decisions for Lewis King and, and Kenny Wooten, uh, who was blocking shots right and left uh, as he was uh, helping you guys get to, to the Sweet 16? Oh, I think it does. Uh... You know, it does influence it, Andy. It, it gives those guys a national stage, brings them a lot of attention, which is it's great for them. It was great for our program, a Sweet 16 and a tough loss against Virginia. Uh, those guys played awfully well. Lou King and, and Kenny, like you said, uh, I guess Wisconsin and Cal Irvine was 
a big defensive presence as he was throughout the the Pac-12 tournament, and and that was all coming after a, a broken jaw that he suffered against Baylor in in late December. So, uh, you know, Kenny was able to showcase, Lou was able to showcase what they were able to do. They both finished really strong, enabled us to finish really strong. So, you know, we wish them the best. You know, we we realize that everybody has a certain window, and uh, if they feel like and their families feel like their windows open at that particular time, you know, we wish them all the best. And uh, it would have nice, been nice to have them back. Don't get me wrong. I, <laughs> I'd love to have them back. But, uh, you know, I want what's best for them. And, uh, you know, they felt like it was in their best interest to go. And so we wish them nothing but the best. And they both, you know, did okay. Uh, Detroit's, I know, pleased with Lou. And, and uh, New York's pretty high on Kenny. So hopefully both those guys will – will uh, get their opportunity. So in my rankings of players at positions, uh, you know, I, I looked at Francis Okoro as a guy that I think could certainly have a breakthrough sophomore season. And, and Peyton Pritchard, you know, could be one of the more stable senior lead guards in, in the country. What do you expect from each one of those two? Well, Andy, you're right. We, we need those two guys to, to really give us some stability, especially early against a very difficult schedule that we have coming up. Um, but those two guys have a lot of experience, along with Will Richardson, who who played really well down the stretch for us. Those three guys uh, early have to really, you know, help the rest of the team get up to speed on what we want to do and how we want to play. Uh, and I think they will. I Francis was having a great uh, summer. He, he twisted an ankle. Has been out here for a couple of weeks. But uh, Peyton's having a great summer. Will's having a great summer. So. I really anticipate those three guys giving us a big boost and, and really leading us in the, the early season. So scheduling-wise, you always look to challenge your, your your team. Not every Pac-12 school can get into some of these big-time tournaments or even get the, the home-and-homes. Uh, I already dubbed the battle for Atlantis. I think it's going to be the best field uh, because you've got, you know, potential deep teams. Uh, first of all, you open with one, I think, you win the Big East in, in Seton Hall. In Carolina, Gonzaga, Alabama, Iowa State, uh, Tyrese Halliburton just had uh, you know a great U uh, nineteen performance uh, when they won the gold uh, down in Greece. Uh, what else do you have on the docket, and and how what do you think of your matchup uh, that you uh, drew with Seton Hall to the first round of that tournament? The battle for Atlantis is going to be a real difficult challenge for us, and Seton Hall, uh, from what I understand, has nine of their top ten backs. So. Uh, very experienced group, very talented group, and uh, I know we'll have our hands full whoever we play there. But we also have uh, Houston coming in. We're playing Memphis in Portland. Uh, we've got Boise coming in. We're going to Michigan to play. Uh, they're also in the battle for Atlantis. So we have our work cut out for us. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know our guys are going to have to make an adjustment real quick because November is going to be a very difficult uh, opening month for us. All right, before I let you go, Dana, we're on the eve of the College Basketball Academy uh, tipping off four sites around the country. Um, I've talked to a lot of your colleagues about the recruiting calendar. We knew it was going to change. The NABC was at the table. So some coaches that might be squawking a little bit, you know, th- th- there was a voice and they did get, uh, you know, Peach Jam back because that was gone. So you had sort of the regular week in the um, the early part of July, 
you got the high school uh, two weekends, which we'll see. You know, I mean, more high schools hopefully will get on board, but that was one new thing. The top 100 was new. Going to USA Basketball was new. And, you know, the skills where it's fundamentals, um, life skills, and then games. And, uh, I mean, they've hired, you know, uh, legitimate coaches that have had great success from Al Skinner to Pete Gillen to um, Ernie Kent to Tim Miles. Um, you know, a lot of legitimate guys are working these camps around the country. So first off, what did you think this first go through and, and what are you hoping at the back end, uh, you're going to get out of this new evaluation period that you may, uh, as a collective group may want to tweak a little bit. Change is hard, Andy, for, for all of us. Um, you know, I think everybody felt pretty comfortable with the old model. So, you know, I think we just need to give this a chance. Um, you know, I, I think, it will develop as time goes on. But again, change is, is hard. You know, you've been doing something a certain way for a number of years. Uh, you get used to evaluating kids uh, in different venues. And now that's all changed. And uh, but I, I do think there's some there's some positives to it. Uh, I just think it's going to take some time. And you know, like for the next weekend, you know, a lot of the high school players, you know, didn't register. So a lot of the players that a lot of schools are looking at are not going to those academies. So, you know, that will be, you know, that will take some time to get those NCAA academies going. Um, you know, I think it'll take a while, as you mentioned, for the high schools to get on board with that last week in June. But again, you know, let's give it some time. Let's let's go through the process. Let's see how the players make the adjustment, because that's the main thing. It's it's what's beneficial to the student athletes. You know, we as coaches and programs can adjust. It's it's getting those players in the position to be evaluated and things that they feel comfortable with. So if they make the adjustments to the high school venues and the tournaments in late June and make the adjustment to the NCAA academies, you know, I think it can be a good system. It's just going to take some time, Andy. Well, and look, uh, you know, obviously I'm old enough to remember Five Star. And then we, you know, when I started working, we had ABCD and Nike. Uh, there was a point in the 90s, obviously the JC tournaments were huge. You know, so we, we've gone through these cycles where, because I remember every coach used to go to Hutch and recruit that. Then that kind of got not phased out, but not as important, you know, because with, with various changes. And so it's not like this hasn't happened before. And I, I really think, and I'm not trying to shill here, but I do think it's, critical to remember that the weekend that you guys just had with peach jam and that regular AAU weekend that was gone gone brought back so you got one thing that you always had and now you know the june thing's gonna have to be tweaked hopefully and then we'll see how this week goes upcoming uh and and hopefully as time goes on like you said people will get on board and people will adjust and it won't be as big a deal you know hopefully in the long term as some constructively critically uh, are making it out to be. I think so, Andy. I, I you know, I, like I said, change is hard for all of us and uh, it's going to take some time, but I think the blueprint's not bad. And um, it's just going to be if the players adjust to it and if they're comfortable with the academies moving forward, how comfortable the high school coaches are with uh, the June period. And so it's just going to take everybody a little bit of time to adjust their thoughts and, you know, if they do that. And as you mentioned, last weekend was really valuable for everybody. I, you know, everybody was out and about for four days, making as much 
uh, and covering as much territory as possible. It was a big weekend for everybody, but, uh, you know, moving forward in years, the next few years, I think we'll, we'll see how the players make the adjustment, Andy. And I think it, it's a system that can work. Appreciate it, Dana. Thank you. All right, Andy, take care. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. You can find our podcast wherever you download all your podcasts on iTunes and, of course, on all our social media platforms at NCAA.com and March Madness. Thanks for listening.